You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. I'm going to go ahead and be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We will be taking our study there. Second Corinthians chapters 11 and 12, where we will be taking the thoughts of our study for this Bible class hour. <clears throat> you know, you think about churches, and you think that one of the goals that many congregations have is to grow. And we may define growth in several different ways. We might define it as spiritual growth. We might think about growing in knowledge. We might think about growing in number and the people who are here with us. And many churches, I believe, are ready and poised to grow. Because we might have visitors who come in regularly. We might have people who are growing in knowledge and their abilities and their talents and they are using themselves for the Lord. They're sacrificing to develop themselves in a way that they once never would have ever thought they would. And they make sacrifices in their time and their commitments to God. And churches oftentimes will focus on spiritual growth, that we want to have a robust Bible class uh, curriculum and we want to teach our kids from a very early age. We want to help them grow in their knowledge and their abilities and we want them to have a better knowledge of the truth. And we have preaching and teaching and we expect to be able to learn from God's word through that. And we might have all of that going for us and yet we do not see ourselves growing in number. We might be scratching our head and if you are uh, unlike me and you have hair, you might be pulling it out because you're thinking, where... Where's the other part? Where's the other element that we're missing? We have all the right things going on. And I'm convinced that churches will remain stagnant if we don't have an element that's very essential in growing. And that's talking about love. Love for the brethren. Having brotherly love. If we want to grow in all facets, and I'm not just talking about numerical growth, but I'm also including that in this. But if we want to grow, we have to be starting with our relationships with one another. It's very important. In 1 Peter chapter 1, if you want to bookmark your, yourself in 2 Corinthians, that's where we will st- study. But I do want to introduce just a few passages in other places this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in 1 Peter chapter 1, and in verse 23, uh, you, or in verse 22 rather, he says, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a 
sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. In Second Peter, in Second Peter chapter one, and all the attributes and the virtues that we are supposed to be adding to our faith so that we grow spiritually and in our wisdom and our knowledge. In Second Peter chapter one and verse seven, he says, And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, that we need to be adding brotherly kindness to our faith. That our faith needs to develop this facet in our walk with the Lord. In the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, where Paul begins to really address some very practical things for the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. He tells us that we need to be devoted to brotherly love. This isn't something that you can just put on the side burner. It's not just something that you can say, well, I have brotherly love. You can't just say say it in words only that I love you. You have to be devoted to it. You have to follow through. It requires action. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a very familiar passage, that passage on love that many of us probably have decorations in our home where we define what love is. Maybe you had this passage read at your your wedding ceremony or something like that. It's a very beautiful passage where the Apostle Paul defines what love is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 4, Love is patient, love is kind and not jealous, love does not brag and is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffer, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And we're very familiar with that passage and we oftentimes apply that to our relationship with our spouse, and that's a good application of this. But I believe in the context, if you look a little bit more closely at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, what Paul is really doing, he's talking to the church about getting along with one another. And in the middle of that, in chapter 13, he gives this discourse on what love is. He's really, I think, primarily in the context talking about brotherly love. Now we need to have a love for each other and this is how we ought to behave, not just in our relationship with our husband or our wife, this is how we ought to behave in our relationship in the church with our brothers and sisters that we sit in front of or behind in our pews. Growing in brotherly love is something that is essential if we are going to be able to grow as a church, as a congregation of God's people. And so I want us to think of about several principles that I believe the Apostle Paul really helps us understand in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and the dedication that's required to experience this growth in brotherly love. And the first thing that we're going to look at is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And in verse 2, we're just going to look at a few principles that are very important here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and in verse 2, the apostle says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ 
I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. The starting place for any discussion on love, especially love for the brethren, you have to look to Jesus, don't we? We have to look to Christ. And if I'm going to have a love for you as my brother or my sister in the Lord, then I have to have a sincere and abiding love for Jesus himself. Because Jesus gave him gave his life for you. And Paul states there in verse 2 that I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. That in this betrothal, this marriage, this, that Jesus' bride is the church. They are united. And if I'm going to have a love for my brothers or my sisters in the Lord, then I have to examine my love for Christ and the truth. Our focus must be upward before it can be looking to my to my left or to my right. And Paul, he warns them that they were in danger. He says, I don't want you to be deceived like Eve was. I don't want Satan to come in in his craftiness to lead you astray from that sincere and pure gospel that has united you with Jesus Christ. We will never grow as a church nor in our love for one another if we do not have this sincere love for becoming what Christ wants us to be. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we have a statement that Paul makes that many of us are familiar with in verse 7 when he's talking about the church there and his his role as a preacher and teacher in the church at Corinth and others who have come in and taught and preached the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7 he says, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. And when we put our focus on what is appropriate and not on the one who is teaching and not the one who is preaching and not on ourself. When we can shift that focus and put it on God because of our sincere love for God, because of our sincere love for the truth, God will then allow the growth to occur. If we have this heavenwardly mindset that is what is required to allow the poise for the church to grow and the reason that we must have a love for Christ and the truth is that we love one another is because Christ gave us that commandment in John's epistles in first John chapter 2 I love some of the writings of John I find them to be extremely challenging sometimes not to understand, but to practice. First John chapter 2 and verse 5. Notice what John says. He says, But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. 
By this we know that we are in Him. The one who, walk, who says He abides in Him ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. So we have to walk in the same way that Christ has walked. We have to model ourselves after God and after Christ and their example. In verse 9 He says, The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And if we're going to truly be committed to following Jesus Christ, we can't say that I love you, but then act in a way that would undermine that. Act in a way that would just show hatred or animosity or jealousy or strife. We can't do that. Jesus is the righteous one. If we are in Him, John says, that, and if we have fellowship with God, then we have to do whatever He says and we have to walk in the same manner as He has walked And we cannot say that we are in the light. We cannot say that I'm in fellowship with God if we hate our brother. If we hate our brother, then we're not in the light. We are in darkness. That's what John is trying to get us to see. And what Paul is trying to help us understand in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is that as the church that has been betrothed to Christ, in that relationship between a husband and a spouse, and a wife, there has to be love. And in our union with Christ, we have to have a sincere love for Him and the truth. We have to be dedicated to the truth. We can't turn to the left or to the right. We have to be focused on what is true and what is right. Growing in brotherly love begins here. It begins with the love for Christ and the truth and following His example. But then we have to have a genuine concern for others. I find that to be a very interesting point that Paul goes to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As he spends a lot of time in chapter 11 talking about his trials and the persecutions that he has undergone and all the problems that he has faced. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14... He says to the Corinthians in a very deeply personal part of this letter, he says, here for this third time, I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden to you for I do not seek what is yours, but you for children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Notice what Paul says. Paul sees himself as having this responsibility for the Corinthians and their spiritual well-being. He's he's using this parent-child analogy and something that's very straightforward, isn't it? That a parent, they care for the child, not vice versa. The parent should care for their child. But then notice what he says. He says, I do not seek what is yours, but you. I seek you. Paul did not seek their money. He did not seek their honor, their praise, or any pride in how the church was growing numerically. Paul was not concerned about boasting his ego. And that's a problem that a lot of preachers have. They want to talk about how big their church is or whatever they, they, where they might be preaching or teaching or how many gospel meetings they hold a year. They want to boast in what they have. 
But Paul says, that's not what I'm about. I'm not concerning about padding myself here, padding my resume. I don't seek what you have. I seek you. Because Paul loved them for who they were. They were disciples of Christ trying to follow the Lord. And Paul, he said, I'm ready to come to you a third time. Because I want to care for you as a parent cares for their child. And you have to kind of wonder where that mindset came from for Paul, don't you? Like, where did he learn that kind of principle, that kind of dedication? And I think he learned it from Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 19, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus, <clears throat> he makes a statement to Zacchaeus about how he's going to go to his house. And he says in verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you want to summarize the mission of Jesus, I think it's very adequately described right there. That he was concerned about the souls of those who are lost. Paul is concerned about the souls of the church at Corinth. Now, we see how Paul behaves. We see how Jesus was concerned for souls. What about you and me? Do we have that kind of concern for one another? Do we love one another that much? Do we spend time speaking with each other, talking about what's going on in each other's lives? Sometimes we get so caught up in what we are busy doing that we forget to sit down and take a break and ask someone else, how are you doing spiritually? How's your faith? Are you struggling with anything? Are you having temptations that are troubling you? Do you need prayers? How's your health? And not just physical health. We oftentimes are very good about making those kinds of announcements in our congregations about our physical health, aren't we? But... Do we take time to consider our spiritual well-being and our spiritual health? Maybe we're discouraged. Maybe we're facing some hard problems that we should be thinking about. And we need the prayers of others and we need the strength that is found in the family of God. Because you think about a family... And a family designed in the way that God intended for it. And not, not every family is this way, and that's sad. Many families are broken. Many families don't follow the pattern that God has wanted. However, in the way that God has designed the family to be with a husband and father, and a mother and wife and children... Husbands, you probably would know if there's something bothering your wife that day, don't you? And she probably doesn't have to tell you, hey, something's wrong. You can probably 
pick it up pretty easily, can't you? (laughs) What do you do? Do you ignore it? Maybe you do. But if you're wise, you're going to address it, aren't you? You're going to say, what can I do? How can I help it? And it may not be that you've done something wrong. It may just be that you need to address some things. Allow your wife to vent because you love her. And you have this concern for her. Maybe it's that way with your children. You can see through your children's behavior that something seems off and you address it, right? Maybe your child is a perfectly well-behaved child and then all of a sudden they do something that lashes out and you're like, okay, something's not quite right here. What's going on? And you want to go find out and you do some uh, investigating and you try to see what's the matter here. You have a love for that your child. You want to address the problem because of a genuine concern for their health and their well-being. And sometimes when we might have a brother or sister who lashes out in anger in the Lord's church in a business meeting or it's, uh, in a worship assembly, I've seen it happen. It's easy to get mad. It's easy to get defensive, isn't it? And we all get that way at some point, but Maybe we need to think, what's going on? Maybe they need me. Instead of just getting angry, maybe we need to try to reach out because we have a genuine love for them. Another principle that Paul sets forth, I think that's essential if we're going to grow in brotherly love, is it goes beyond just having a concern for one another. We need, he says in verse 15, Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? You think about that principle that he's trying to say. He says in verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your soul. We need to be willing to spend for others. You know, I find it interesting whenever someone comes into a congregation, they're asking, well, what kind of things do you offer for me? They're oftentimes very self-seeking. Maybe they don't realize it, but they are asking questions like, what kind of ministries do you offer for me that I can benefit from? What kind of ministries do you offer for our kids? So that they can grow. And while we need to be concerned about our own spiritual health, our own spiritual well-being, we need to be part of a church that can help facilitate that growth and have a working kind of mindset. We don't need to ask what the church can do for me. We need to ask what we can do for the church. That's the attitude that Paul had. He says he was willing to spend and expend be expended for the betterment of the saints in Corinth. And you see that really in Paul's own ministry in Acts chapter 18. And in the book of Acts, whenever Paul was in Corinth in Acts chapter 18 and in verse 5, you remember in the first few verses as he is 
come into Corinth. He's been making tents. That's where we learned that Paul was a tent maker by trade. And he has been making tents, but it says in verse 5, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Paul spent his time, his money, and energy to focus his work on the church at Corinth. He was making tents until that time when he could fully give himself to the church. What would the church be like if we were willing to do that a little bit more? To give our time, more of our time, more of our energy, more of our focus, more of our love to others. Because one thing, there's a principle that Paul is trying to get across in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15. He asks this rhetorical question, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? The obvious answer is no. If he loves more, then what should be given in return? More love. We need to give. Instead of asking about what can I gain from being a part of this church, we need to ask what can I give to the church? What can I give to my brother or my sister? What are they needing? Are they needing some time to just visit? Are they needing some time to have a shoulder to cry on? Or are they just needing to vent? Are they needing to... Uh, lift me up. Maybe it's that I'm needing encouragement. And they want to be the one who spends some time with me. But I need to be willing to be, to, to spend. I need to volunteer. I need to be thankful. And I think that goes beyond just being thankful that other people are doing the work. <laughs> We need to be thankful that people are willing to do the work, but we need to have a thankfulness and an appreciation. And then we need to follow in their example. We need to appreciate those who would volunteer to teach a children's Bible class or prepare the communion, clean the building, serve in other capacities. We need to show our appreciation for those who preach the gospel. Because if we're going to grow in brotherly love, it takes recognition of those people. And we need to be willing to spend. But then we need to be willing to be spent, Paul says. In the very same verse, I will most gladly spend and be expended. Think about that. So many times we're only in it for ourselves, aren't we? We'll give up until a certain point, and once we get to that point, well, nope, that's that's my stopping point. That's where I'm going to quit. <laughs> because so-and-so hasn't done anything in return. That's sometimes how we act, isn't it, in the Lord's church? Well, they haven't appreciated me, so I'm not going to do any more. 
Shame on them for not appreciating you and your sacrifices. But you know what? Sometimes that means we just got to keep on going. Paul says he's willing to be spent. He was ready to be spent. He was ready to sacrifice his own life for someone else. He was ready to be completely and entirely used up in the service of the church at Corinth. And you have to think about that, don't you? Because this is a church that can't get along with one another. You read 1 Corinthians and boy, they have got some problems. (laughs) They're divided. There's the party idea that there's some people lining up behind this guy. There's other people that are lining up behind this guy. Or there's a a third party or however many groups of them. It's a church that is so divided and splintered. They've got people who are taking each other to court. They can't worship in a, a... a decently and orderly fashion because they've got to be arguing about who has what gifts and talents and abilities and all those things. They've made a mockery of the Lord's table. We've got so many problems, not to mention all the the moral problems that were going on where someone was living in an incestuous relationship with his father's wife. Who would want to be part of that kind of congregation? Not me. But what Paul says is, I'm willing to be spent for you. You put that in some context, and that's amazing. He was ready to serve until there was nothing left to give. And you would think people would appreciate Paul for that. Well, turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 8, he says, For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame, for I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. There were people there at Corinth that had no respect for the Apostle Paul. And here he is, he is giving everything for them. You would think people would show some kindness or appreciation. Nope. They weren't growing in brotherly love, but I tell you who was. It was the Apostle Paul. And for those who would appreciate Paul and follow in his example, they were growing in brotherly love. When they understood this principle that they need to spend and they need to be spent even though some of them despised him. He asked that question in verse 15, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? I think the obvious answer is that no, but it seems that some people did love him less. Imagine the hurt 
Imagine the anguish and the pain. Here I am, I'm giving it my all. I'm trying to help you. I have nothing left to give. Remember the other day we were talking about spiritual burnout. Maybe that Paul was getting on that edge where he was about to be burnt out. That I've, I've done everything I can. And yet you don't love me. You don't give me anything in return. But you know, if we're going to grow in brotherly love, if I'm going to grow in brotherly love, and if you are going to grow in brotherly love, and don't be thinking about the person sitting to your left or to your right, to in front of you or behind you. Think about yourself here. Think about yourself. Are you willing to spend and to be spent? Because we will all face discouragement at some point. We will all be depleted at some point. We have to prepare our heart and our mind for those times of disappointment, heartbreak, and discouragement. When we are discouraged, we can become overly critical and cynical. People will disappoint us and frustrate us. We have to be prepared for that. And part of preparing for success is being ready for those times. As we've been trying to think about all these lessons in the life that God wants for us, He wants us to pursue brotherly love. But we also have to be ready for the times when we're going to be facing discouragement and disappointment from our brethren. When we consider all of this within the framework of brotherly love, love makes us vulnerable, doesn't it? Love is a very vulnerable thing. A husband and a wife, there's vulnerability there. There's rawness there that probably no one else sees or really understands. Think about God and His love for you. There is a rawness in that love that He has for us as His creatures that I don't understand. Because how many of us are really willing to give our life for someone else in this room? I don't know. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But I know God was willing to give His life for you and for me. That's something that's hard for us to really grasp. Love requires that we be vulnerable because in the long run it will deepen our respect and our relationships with our brethren. If you're discouraged because of someone, go to them. Not in anger, not accusing them of failing in their job. Go to them because you want to help them. Be willing to spend and be spent. Because many times we grow discouraged because we think people we will help us or that they will ask us for help. But sometimes someone is too embarrassed or has too much pride to even ask for help. So when you are discouraged and you feel that you have nothing else to give, go to a brother or sister and talk to them. Find out how, tell them how they can help you. 
Tell them that you've given everything that you think you can give and that you would like some help. Because there's a principle that the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and in verse 13 he says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Doing the right thing, doing good, loving the brethren, guess what? It can be tiresome work. We can be tired of it at some point. But don't give up. Don't grow weary. Because there's much good to enjoy from it. And then finally, we need to build each other up. Turning back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 19, he says, All this time you have been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. And all for your upbuilding, beloved. You read the book of 2 Corinthians and you see that Paul really has to defend himself in a very unique way. People there were questioning his apostolic authority and his ability to teach and preach and all those things. And he says, if you've been reading this letter and you think I'm just presenting my case to you in a, as a defense to you, he says, you're reading it wrong. He says, I'm doing this as a case before God so that you can be built up. And Paul's goal was to build up the Corinthian church. And you want to see how he did this? In chapter 12 and in verse 14, he says, I'm ready to come to you the third time. He was going to go to them personally. That's an important principle that we need to understand. Go to someone personally. Tell them you love them. And let your words and your actions be all for their upbuilding. Don't promote yourself. Don't seek your own glory. But seek to build them up. If we do that, then we can grow in brotherly love. Thank you for your good attention this morning. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.